Buonasera a tutti. Good evening and welcome to the Italian Radio Hour. Io sono Viviana and I would like to welcome back our regular listeners and also welcome any new listeners. Also be sure to like us on Instagram and Facebook at Italian Radio Hour and subscribe to our YouTube channel to catch up on any past video interviews. Vorrei dare il benvenuto ai nostri ascoltatori da tutto il mondo. Grazie per essere con noi anche oggi mentre continuiamo il nostro viaggio per l'Italia e la cultura italiana. Well, when people think about Italy, there are usually uh, two words that they associate Italy with, food and fashion. But today's conversation is about an exhibit that goes way beyond uh, the... Um, the frontiers of a tiny country of Italy, which contributed to both food and fashion to actually explore the meaning of both elements, also combined, uh, compared, and how they have um, signed the life of so many people through the movements and the designs. And um, in a, a wonderful exhibit curated by Melissa Mar Alvarez and Elizabeth Way, which is currently at the Fit Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. Ma prima, pubblicità. Parli italiano? Do you want to learn, improve, or master your Italian? Istituto Mondo Italiano can help. Located in the heart of Regent Square, Mondo Italiano offers small group classes and one-on-one private tutoring to help you learn Italian in no time. Visit us online at www.istitutomondoitaliano.org. Well, I'm very excited uh, to um, start our conversation with Melissa Madalvarez and Elizabeth Way. Uh, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So uh, when I came across the announcement about these, uh, these exhibit um, with the beautiful images also that came along with uh, the, the posts on the and the press releases, um, I uh, was uh, very curious to learn a little more. We had dealt with the Fashion uh, Institute of Technology before, always amazing programming. So, uh, but I was uh, fortunate enough to get connected with uh, the two of you. But before we dive into this beautiful, beautiful project, uh, can we share a little bit about your backgrounds? And Elizabeth, would you mind going first? Sure. Um, my name is Elizabeth Way, and I'm an associate curator here at the museum at the Fashion Institute of Technology. I've been here about uh, 10 years. And, you know, through my work, I've been able to explore so many different aspects of fashion culture. And this new kind of perspective involving food um, has really opened my eyes to kind of all the similarities between fashion culture and food culture. And uh, Melissa. Hi, um, I'm Melissa Mara Alvarez. I'm the Curator of Education and Research um, here at the Museum at FIT. I've worked for the museum um, for over 15 years, um, where I uh, started um, in the costume department, and I also now work in the education department, so that has um, been an interesting perspective. Um, and like Liz, I am, sorry, my camera keeps going off, like Liz, um, I have really enjoyed diving into this topic of food and fashion um, and just uncovering the sort of myriad of ways um, that these two subject matters overlap. Uh, so both of them are huge, huge topics. So I was wondering how your minds got together to actually come up with these final, um, you know, uh, arriving also to the food and fashion uh, theme, whether it was a bigger project or a project developed in a different way and that eventually took these um, 
these uh, shape. Uh, so, uh, Melissa, if you want to start, and then obviously Elizabeth contribute. Um, sure. You know, this idea for, for an exhibition on food and fashion was born from a, a different exhibition topic that that Elizabeth had had about fashion in the five senses. Um, and so the exhibition, she was having a little difficulty with the exhibition. It was proving too conceptual. And so we went to lunch one day and we were kind of talking out, you know, her idea for the exhibition. Um, and really food, the idea for food and fashion was born from that. One of the, obviously one of the senses was taste. And Liz's idea for, for this for taste was to have a bunch of garments with food prints all over them. Um, and so when I heard that kind of my ears perked up and I thought, oh, that would make a really interesting exhibition, maybe just to focus on the subject of food. And so we decided to dive into that topic together. And uh, so Elisabetta, you were, um, you are studying with this uh, uh, bigger um, idea of, uh, so, um, how eventually did it evolve and how long did it, uh, the it, it took to actually um, come to completion of uh, what was the exhibit that people can enjoy now? So, yeah, as Melissa said, I was first thinking more conceptually and our director, you know, she's always encouraging us to look at the objects and really kind of make connections between the objects and our ideas. And so Melissa and I had this lunch, I think it was, was it in 2018 that we started on this project. Um, and, it, and it evolved from there. So at first it was a smaller project. And then within MFIT, we wanted to do something a little bigger. So we, um, you know, pushed the date out a bit. Um, so it's now in our larger gallery. And then of course COVID hit, but over COVID, we were really able to take the time and write our book, um, which is, you know, that's been such a, it was really the groundwork for the exhibitions that we were later able to explore more directly in the exhibition. Um, so Melissa and I wrote about half the book ourselves, and then we engaged so many um, amazing scholars within fashion studies to, um, you know, really draw on topics that they were expert in. Mm -hmm. um, you touched upon the um, time of the pandem pandemic. Um, how did you uh, feel that the pandemic might have affected both the idea of food and fashion? Because... Um, what I have noticed in um, social media, uh, a lot of people really were drawn into making food, uh, uh, trying to explore, educate themselves. Um, along with um, <clears throat> the knowledge came also an artistic sense of displaying their foods, food pictures. Um, food is sometimes it was too perfect to even be eaten, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so I was wondering your individual takes of how the last two or three years might have impacted uh, either food or fashion or the two of them together. Well, we certainly saw so many intersections of kind of fashion culture embracing food, whether it's through food prints or runway presentations before the pandemic, but this definitely amplified during the pandemic. We saw so many creative designers turn to food like so many of us did as a creative expression over that time. And then when we came, were coming out of the pandemic, those themes were resonating in their collections and their runways. And um, in, in many instances, I think the pandemic and for many of us being quarantined at home, it really did change our relationships with both food and fashion. So I think, um, you know, what, what we were wearing, the idea of dress, you know, there was all these articles about dressing for Zoom, you know, from the waist up or, 
you know, people who are channeling their creativities in the kitchen because maybe they couldn't get into their studios or they couldn't, you know, um, work in in producing collections. And so I think on so many levels, from a personal level to an industry level, we saw these relationships um, change. And so when we got out of the pandemic, it's really not surprising that the subjects of food and fashion were at the top of everybody's um, consciousness or at the top of everyone's mind. <laughs> So before we start diving in also in uh, some of the uh, very amazing content of uh, also your your publication, it is indeed a, a beautiful, beautiful uh, work. Um, the million dollar question, what do fashion and what do food mean to you? Okay, um, so um, Elizabeth, if you want to. Well, I think the thing that really came out to us in almost every section of the exhibition is that food and fashion are so much about identity. Um, so it's how we express our personalities, our ethnic identities, our values. Um, and so in that way, because everyone engages with food and fashion, it's such a ripe uh, kind of means of expression for all of these different ideas um, that we have about the way we live and our own kind of our own selves. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think at the core, both of these come down to ideas of identity um, and how, how we represent ourselves, how we present ourselves, not on a social level, on a personal level, um, on a cultural level. Uh, so, yes, and uh, also food and fashion, you know, when, uh, you know, there is a glamour side of fashion, but there is also a sense of style that could be also individual and representing values and, and so forth. But also when we look at fashion, we have to also look at the impact that fashion has on, on the world, that we are in the world of fast fashion. Uh, so um, being a little more conscious about how the garments are um, produced, um, who produces is where things are coming from. And you actually have a part on the book that um, uh, focuses on the activism, nature, labor, and, and, and the body talks about, you know, growing alternatives. Tell us a little bit about your personal um, philosophy or your personal belief. And I think on the one hand, um, food and fashion are two, like from a production standpoint, are two of the biggest industries, you know, on the planet, right? Food and clothing. Um, and so that it's inevitable that they're going to have an impact on production, on the planet, on supply chains. Um, and so this was something that Liz and I decided was important to address in the book on one hand, on the one hand, um, ideas around labor, ideas around sustainability, the health of the planet. Um, so we dive into these in various chapters in the book and also in different sections of the exhibition. Um, on the other hand, when we think of sort of food, fashion, and activism, um, you can't ignore the impacts, or I should say fashion's um, kind of uneasy relationship with the body. Um, and so this is another chapter in the book, and again, another exhibition that we, another theme that we explore within the exhibition. Elizabeth? And, you know, as Melissa was saying, that these are just two aspects of our lives that we engage in with every single day. So there's no way that you can have a conversation about um, almost any anything, production, labor, sustainability, um, you know, 
body images without thinking about these two things and how they come together. And so the book was a really amazing opportunity for us to even dive even deeper than kind of through the themes and the objects and the exhibition and consider a lot of historical material and how these things have changed over time. Mm -hmm. And we have seen a lot of um, kind of evolution in the way we engage with um, these ideas from sustainability to body politics, but also um, a lot of continuation of kind of ideas that were set in the early 20th century. Mm -hmm. Yes, because we have noticed, uh, you know, obviously food and fashion, um, a lot of people have the, the, when we think about also the models, the uh, uh, a certain body type, and then when we look at also some, uh, you know, the Mediterranean type of more of a, you know, um, um, voluptuous lady, let's put it that way, uh, you know, how the two of them reconcile. And uh, I was wondering if there is any any food or beverages during fashion shows. I mean, obviously, the, the time we might not allow for anyone to, uh, but in preparation, because uh, as I said, it looks like um, the two of them could be on opposite poles. But uh, again, you also talk about eating disorders and so forth. But then you dive in. And I believe this was uh, Melissa in Piaceri della Tavola, The Pleasures of uh, at the Table. And I was wondering if you can also elaborate if the approach to the table is similar across um, or how it differs across, across different cultures. Uh, well, I think food is so central to cultures around the world, right? And the meals we prepare, how we come together to share them, um, food as being sort of a cultural connector, a bridge between different cultures, even at some times. Um, so one of the, another topic that we explore is this larger theme of food, fashion, and cultural representation, which is where the chapter um, El Piche de Tavola comes from um, in the book. And so in that chapter, I was exploring the idea of how both food and fashion are so deeply intertwined in in our in the cultural consciousness of Italian identity um, and how this was constructed over time um, and how it manifests today. Because there are a lot of designers from Franco Moschino to Dolce & Gabbana um, to the Missoni family who harness this concept of, of food at times, specifically pasta, um, as a symbol, um, as a recognizable symbol of national identity. Um, and so this idea of the family coming around the table and enjoying a meal um, is something that the chapter explores also. A lot of uh, Italian-run fashion businesses are family businesses. And so there's also kind of this well-known idea that, that Italian families come around the table. The kitchen and the table is the center of family life where we share a meal, where we come together to bond. Um, and so, for example, the Missoni family capitalizes on, on both of these ideas um, in a cookbook that they produced, which was the Missoni family cookbook. And so they take this idea of the table and the family, and they use that to extend um, their brand identity, which is a, fa a longtime family-run business. Um, and so all of these get sort of um, branched together, lumped together under this idea of Italian identity. And I think if you look at different cultures around the world, um, there is this idea of the table and the shared mealtime um, that, that manifests in different cultures, um, but each with its, with its own kind of twist and representation. Mm -hmm. And it's not surprising that food is a theme that people come back to culturally over and over because 
going back to antiquity, I mean, food was survival. Food was so central to kind of how people built communities, um, you know, villages, cities. And so we see not only designers kind of thinking about food as a shorthand for their cultural identity, whether Fendi is making these high-end pasta necklaces, or we have designers like Tremaine Emery from Denim Tears, who's thinking about Black foods and how it expresses his Blackness as um, a part of this diaspora um, of Africans across the world. We also see how artists have engaged with this um, this intersection of food um, and kind of their own artistic practices. And over the 20th century, so many designers have picked up on kind of food in artwork and incorporated that, borrowed that for fashion. <laughs> Wonderful. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, picking up on what Liz said, in fact, um, in both the exhibition and the book, we feature um, an ensemble by the Chinese-American designer Lian Huang. And literally, her design is a banquet table. So it's meant to look like it's a coat. And when you open it up inside, it's literally a table, the tabletop, filled with all sorts of um, surrealist-inspired fantastical dishes. Um, and so literally, she's bringing the table um, and the idea of coming around the table and sharing a meal um, to us through this, through this fashion piece. Um, so while uh, we've been now uh, talking about some of the pieces, what I would like to do um, is to kind of having um, rolling images of the exhibit, um, if there is any outfit in particular, designer that you would like me to, you know, to, to stop rotating the images so forth and uh, elaborate more, um, uh, please let me know. But uh, what can a... a uh, the public ex uh, expects um, what, how is the, um, the exhibit layout, what's the concept on how you organized um, the exhibit? So we start the exhibition, we have two galleries, um, and we start the exhibition with an introductory gallery that really looks at um, kind of how food and fashion are uh, kind of setting up the temporality of our day. So we have, we start in the morning in the kitchen, we go to the late morning in the market, and then we have lunch in our fast food diner and then dinner in our high fashion restaurant. And these are ways that we can just look at all of these intersections, these impacts of food culture on fashion. And then in our main um, gallery, we have several different um, themes that are laid out in an exhibition design that mimics a food hall. So our exhibition designer, Kim Ackert, was really looking at spaces like Laal in Paris, but these food stalls um, that really allow us to explore different kind of related um, but distinct themes. Um, what you're looking at here is a section in the biggest um, part of the exhibition that does look at cultural identity. And so I mentioned Tremaine Emery um, of Denim Tears, who partnered with Sky High Farms. It's our um, ensemble on the very right-hand side. But we also have next to him a design by Post Imperial that's looking at jollof rice and how that is a not only kind of staple food of West Africa, there's so many rivalries between who makes the best jollof rice between Senegal and Ghana and Nigeria, but also this idea of kind of home cooking these um, foods from your childhood or your hometown, how comforting that is. And so we see this designer playing with these soft textures and these colors. And I think that's something that really speaks across um, cultures, that these um, foods that you grew up with that are so evocative of your cultural identity really are so comforting. Mm -hmm. And uh, how, um, and then I'll obviously have more pictures to come, uh, how these, uh, these pieces are collections from the designers or um, how they came um, to, to, to the show? So some of them are pieces of our permanent collection and some we borrowed from designers. Okay, wonderful. 
Okay, so um, if you guys want to elaborate, uh, you were talking about you know the, the the unfolding of the day also, as far as the experience. Feel free to tell us more about the uh, exhibit, Melissa. I'm just kind of going through uh, some of the images. I believe uh, the the gown that we see on the right uh, was probably featuring in a lot of the um, the the press and the, that that came out, and uh, it was a little bit of a eye catching. Um, yes, this is a section. This is the section of the exhibition that focuses on on body politics, and in a sense, looks at the ways in which fashion approaches its uneasy relationship with the body and body identity. Um, and so, what I always like to say is, when we look at this section, is that we kind of look at this relationship between food, fashion, the body through two lenses. Um, one is through kind of fashion's focus on diet culture. Um, and some of the ways in which fashion designers are bucking back against that. And so on the left, we have an orange and yellow um, or shades of orange uh, ensemble by Becca McCarran of the fashion label Chromat. Um, and Chromat's known for sort of its body positivity and body diverse, celebrating body diversity on the runway. And so this was from a 2014 collection in which she had um, models of all body types coming down the runway eating flaming hot Cheetos. And so the ensembles itself often, oftentimes echoed the colors that you see um, on flaming hot Cheetos. Um, but we also looked at things um, like through diet culture, like Diet Coke, who's had a number of fashion designers who served as creative director um, and who have designed in fact, Coke, Diet Coke bottles. So we have Karl Lagerfeld and Mark Jacobs and Diane von Furstenberg, um, or something like Jeremy Moschino, uh, Jeremy Scott for Moschino's Diet Coke dress, which you see on the center of the platform. But one of the other ways that we look at this uneasy relationship with the body is through um, oftentimes fashion fetishizes food. And so you can think of fashion magazines where you have models gorging on, you know, hamburgers and hot dogs and pasta. Um, but, you know, another way that that happens is kind of through this idea of presenting the body as something to be consumed. And so we have a pair of swim men's swim trunks by Versace with these um, decorated with all of these little fruits or something like this chocolate bar dress, which you mentioned um, is has been a has been a visitor favorite in the exhibition, but this is by Jeremy Scott, again from Moschino, uh, where he takes what looks like the wrapper of a Hershey bar, a candy bar, and it's almost wrapped around the woman's body into an elegant ball gown, but again, presenting her as, as something, a commodity to be consumed. Okay, where is this, uh, uh, those uh, garments are going to take us to? These garments um, are from this section called Growing Alternatives. Um, and one of the things that we were thinking about here, um, this also echoes a chapter in the book, was ideas around slow food and slow fashion, which are so much, you know, are, are talked about so much today. What are the parallels there? And when we started thinking about this, we were realizing how, you know, these concepts behind slow food and slow fashion um, are really anti-industrial movements. And so there have been this kind of anti-industrial impulses that go back uh, to the Industrial Revolution, uh, when people began to sort of feel further and further away from the sources of their food and their clothing. And so we look at how these values around um, food and or these values that we have that are anti-industrial get um, highlighted through or expressed through our food and our fashion choices. Um, and so we have a tea gown from the late 
1800s, um, which would have been a style worn by someone who who participated in what was called the simple life, who went back to cottage farming, um, who embraced clothing that was healthier for the body, that was dyed using natural dyes, made more natural materials. Um, or we see this again in the hippie movement of the 1960s and 70s, where you know, you would, diets were centered around vegetarian and vegan diets that embrace tempeh and tofu, um, but also in our clothing where you would use recycled materials, um, you would use vintage styles and, and kind of upcycle or repurpose them. And again, today um, on the far right with two ensembles by an FIT graduate, her, a designer named Mimi Prober, who's known for kind of um, farm to, farm, what we call farm to closet fashion and slow oh. fashion. Mm -hmm. um, yes, which is also in the last few years, I mean, people are becoming more aware and uh, um, and there seems to be a very conscious effort, again, trying also to repurpose and re-become fashionable. And the same thing also with, uh, with food, being more aware of where is the food coming from, the, the uh, kilometro zero, you know, it's a, it's a big thing, you know, farm to table type of approach. So it's nice to see that being uh, represented. Um, let me see. Uh, okay, so uh, what are we looking at in this specific section? So this is a really interesting section, and I think one of the favorites in the exhibition. So very much related to our growing alternative section, here we look at biomaterials that are made out of food um, products and food wastes. So um, all of these ensembles feature something that has been made out of food. Um, for example, on the very left-hand side, this t-shirt from Mitiero clearly says this tea um, is made from milk. So they take mm -hmm. spoiled milk proteins and turn them into fiber. And so even though this might seem like a very futuristic technology, in the case in front of it, we have a dress from the 1930s that features casein buttons. So casein was an early plastic that was also derived from milk proteins. Similarly, in the center with this beautiful peach ensemble, this is a 1920s dress that features fish gelatin sequins. So this was another kind of popular pre-plastic material to kind of create these very shiny sequins. And echoing that in the contemporary period, behind it um, up high, we have this beautiful bodysuit um, from Oslin, is a Brazilian brand who use um, the paracu fish, a staple food fish of the Amazon region. Um, typically, the skins are thrown out as waste, um, but Oslin uh, collects these skins and turns them into luxury leathers. And you can see that beautiful fish scale leather um, panel in the front of this um, bodysuit. So even though these technologies, some of them are very old, we do see these circular ways of using materials um, from food that go back um, much longer kind of in our history. Um, for example, we have Pina Tex ensembles. Marina Harmon Setter's strap skirt is made out of Pina Tex that you see up high on the um, um, close to the right-hand side. But Pina Tex is also fibers made out of pineapple, something that's um, culturally historic in places like the Philippines. On the very um, uh, right-hand side in this white dress, this is a piece um, from Felder Felder, and this is made out of orange fiber, which is a, um, a textile made from the refuse of the citrus industry, skins, pulp, seeds, that's been turned into the silk alternative. And it's important to mention that actually a lot of these technologies do come out of Italy. Um, so much of this uh, kind of uh, movement towards slow fashion is inspired by the slow food movement, which originated there. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Um, I'm going to, I don't want to spoil uh, all the exhibit because, uh, you know, I'm looking at all the images, but I was wondering if there are some of them, again, that you would like to focus on or maybe some of the 
um, uh, designers that uh, you had. Um, I mean, obviously you had most fun, you had fun with all of them, but also there is a lot of research that has gone into selecting specifically these, these garments. Uh, maybe, um, uh, Melissa, would you mind to elaborate more on the actual research of the the designers and the garments and uh because sure. those those are amazing i mean obviously you have a wealth of knowledge uh, but for us they're not in the industry it's it's pretty amazing well i think um i think i can safely say that there were a certain designers that immediately came to mind when we had started thinking about the topic of food and fashion so one of them might be like Jeremy Scott for Moschino or Moschino in general, um, which is a fashion label that has used food references um, pretty much since its inception. Um, and so we knew that we had certain pieces in the collection that would speak to this topic, but we also knew there were certain designers like Dolce & Gabbana or Moschino um, or let's see, who else, Liz? We, we knew we had this Rick Owens piece that that talked about um, United Farm, that was related to the United Farm Workers Movement. And so those were kind of, that's sometimes where the research can start, right? We identify pieces and we say, okay, we know that these are things that we have to have in our show. Um, and then I would say next is where the book comes along. As we started thinking about different themes and the way in which food and fashion overlapped and we dug into research for the book, it's like start like topics start to snowball and one designer leads to another you know Chanel had a very famous supermarket collection and Chanel had a very famous collection in which um the whole the whole show was set in a bistro a French bistro um and so it had these very clear strong food references and those again were helped drive some of our research early on here we have you know for example the Fendi baguette okay um, which was has takes its name from the from the way that you would carry um, a loaf of bread under your arm, a baguette under your arm, and, that, and that's how basically the idea for the purse evolved, or the name of the purse, I should say. Um, and so we have our thematic part that was a lot of research that again came out of the book, and then we have the earlier part of the exhibition, which is called a day of food and fashion, where, as Liz mentioned earlier, allowed us to explore kind of this idea of the preponderance of food themes in our everyday lives. Um, and so here on screen, we see Rachel Antonoff's Pasta Puffer. Um, this is a very contemporary piece. In fact, it was written up in the New York Times in, in March of 2023, where it was called The Code of the Season. Um, but, you know, this was something where when we read this article and we had seen the Pasta Puffer before, it was it, it, it cemented the fact that we needed to have it in the exhibition. Um, and what was great about this article as well was that it started also talking about how how prevalent um, food print designs are today and why they're so popular, how people associate them with identity, how they bring a bit of joy and lighthearted fun. Um, and I think also in terms of the exhibition, that was you know something that Liz and I were very conscious of as well. Um, we all eat three times a day. We all get dressed every day. Uh, these concepts are tied so much to our identity that we wanted to this exhibition to have a sense of fun to it um, because it was something that we felt that everybody could relate to in one aspect or another. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to throw the name of a designer to you, Elizabeth. You tell me what comes to mind. It's an easy question, but we're talking about Schiaparelli. 
So if we could pick one piece that we don't have in the exhibition that we desperately wanted, it would of course be the lobster dress. I think that for fashion historians, that's probably the most prevalent um, intersection of food and fashion. But we do pay tribute to Scaffarelli through Stephen Jones, the milliner. We show his Scaffarelli hat, which is actually a peanut butter and jelly sandwich um, as a hat, a beautifully made out of wool and sequins. But by naming it Scaffarelli, he was really um, emphasizing her uh, connection to surrealism and how she was really bringing all these surrealist themes that happened to incorporate so much food into fashion. It was so chic and smart in the 1930s when she was doing this. Um, and so even though we don't have our lobster dress, the spirit of Scaffarelli is definitely all over this exhibition. <laughs> um, any, some final thoughts that you would like to share about, again, uh, just in general food and fashion or the experience for the visitors? And if we can just remind the visitors of how long the exhibit, um, we only have a few days left and where are you located? Sure. The museum at FIT is at the corner of 27th and 7th Avenue. So if you're walking down 7th Avenue, you can't miss us. And it's open until November 26th. So you have until next Sunday or this, this coming Sunday, I should say, um, to come visit the exhibition. We're open um, on Wednesday through Friday from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. And on Saturdays and Sundays from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And we are free and open to the public. So definitely come by. Absolutely. And uh, I hate to ask you, are you already working on something else? <laughs> we always have, uh, we're always working ahead of the calendar. So we do have um, new exhibitions that will be opening. Um, but very soon, our colleague Colleen Hill will be opening her exhibition statement sleeves um, in our history gallery. And it's going to be a very fun, very beautiful exhibition with lots of historic and more contemporary pieces. So that will be up next for the museum at FIT. Wonderful. Well, uh, if you don't have any further thoughts, I would like to um, just go into the closing uh, also with a, a, an amazing appreciation for the work that you have put out the research behind it. And again, uh, just the amazing concept of uh, comparing, associating, and connecting food and fashion that are omnipresent elements in everyone's um, uh, daily life. So uh, it is now time for us to say arrivederci alla prossima. We want to thank you for tuning in into the program. If you have any questions or comments, or if you have any topics you would like us to address, please contact us at the Italian Radio Hour at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And remember, if you or any of your family and friends have missed a prior episode or would like to listen to this episode again, please visit our website at www.istitutomondoitaliano.org and click on the Italian Radio Hour tab. You can also subscribe to the Italian Radio Hour on YouTube or where you catch your favorite podcast. I would like to thank my guests, Melissa Mar Alvarez and Elizabeth Way, our sponsor, Istituto Mondo Italiano, and uh, catch the exhibit before it's gone. Until next time, alla prossima. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Bye.